Carter, played by Westbrook. Ginobili for three, yes! One point lead for San Antonio. Terry, a long three, bang! Jason Terry gives the Mavericks a seven point lead with 33 seconds remaining. Zimmers bring it in. Five seconds to go. Tie game. Seat belts are fastened. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo! Oh my goodness. Shut the hell up, Mark. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Six Man Podcast. If you are listening, when this episode comes out, make sure you check out yesterday's episode where I got to talk with friend of the show, Danny Hunt, about the Pacers' woes and the physical and strong Toronto Raptors. But tonight, I'm joined by my usual cast of characters from Chicago, Illinois, Cam Koenig. Cam, what the hell is with the Bulls, man? Let's go, Bulls. Let's go, Bulls. And Mark, uh, the Boilermakers look pretty good at basketball. And uh, they just keep spoiling football season for people. Yeah, I'm kind of uh, – I don't really care about football too much, but it is a pleasant surprise nonetheless, and I will take it. Hey, they're bowl eligible. Uh, I know. I, I was going to say they've won six games, and it took them a lot less time than it normally does. It's usually like eke out the last win, beating IU on the last day of the season. Yeah, that's, that's normally been a like a win – uh, win and go to a bowl game type situation. And IU is awful. Yep. And uh, they are done this year. So uh, I ain't got to worry about that, but I got a little bit of hope for basketball season. And of course, we're not a college basketball podcast, mostly. We're just a normal basketball podcast. So I'm going to start off with this. Aaron Rodgers is a fucking moron. Yes. Agreed. Yep. Um, That's all we need to say about it, really. Um, obviously, if you have not heard his comments, please, please do some research of your own. Uh, and don't trust your medical team by any stretch. Hey, maybe and, he's uh, uh, maybe he's collaborating with Kyrie Irving on their uh, their their COVID research. Aaron Rodgers, Kyrie Irving, Joe Rogan. It sounds like a hell's, hell's trio right there. It's so, almost like people that have no business doing anywhere near a medical degree decided they're now doctors. Um, but I want to actually start off with something I am very passionate about, and that is men's mental health. <laughs> and I, I, I would actually like to start off with um, the Ben Simmons situation, which has been go, going on for the last uh, – Oh, basically, since the playoffs where he forgot to dunk out how to dunk a basketball. So there's a new report out um, from Sham Sharania of The Athletic that says that his camp is basically just bad-mouthing the Sixers, saying that it's their fault that Ben can't recover at his own pace to – find the will to want to play basketball to which i say hey here's the will to want to play basketball all the millions of dollars you paid. end of story i oh i'm getting to that and that the the fines that they are infringing on him are causing him more harm than good okay so cam i gotta ask how many basketball practices and games would you miss if uh, you were getting fined three hundred sixty-four thousand dollars a game, negative uh, one. Yeah, see, that's a that's a decent sized house in Indiana. I would, if I was getting fined three hundred dollars a game, <laughs> like, yep, it, it, this it's. I, listen, I, I know that Ben Simmons went through a lot in the offseason. He took 
most of the blame for them getting beaten in Atlanta. We can argue whether or not that was fair. We can argue whether or not, um, you know. Maybe it's the, the fact they're paying Tobias Harris $40 million a year. That's, also, argue, good, that's also a pretty good reason. I mean, we can argue. I, I think there's two, there's two different conversations here. One, the more serious conversation, like the expectations, the criticisms, the the take culture in sports media, is that necessarily fair or not? Um, that's a conversation for another day. I, I do think now the conversation is really shifting to, it's like, what is Ben Simmons' future with the Sixers? Um, at, at this point, it seems like he doesn't really have one. Um, but I think the financial investment that they've put into him and the inflated asking price that Daryl Morey is is questing is looking for um I I think is really going to ward any interest off so now that you know it, it it goes to is there a can these two parties come together and it certainly doesn't look like it I think that they are so far apart in like anything happening like I think this is just a holdout that's going to keep being a holdout and part of the reason why is because the logical moves for Ben Simmons the teams are actually pretty good and like shaking up the roster now doesn't make a ton of sense you know Cleveland was a hot topic for a while but Cleveland of all teams is like seven and five and (laughs) you know you have the Sacramento Kings who by all accounts, in my opinion, have been disappointing this year, but they're still like 500. Yeah, they're five and seven. So, and if De'Aaron Fox could learn how to hit a damn shot, that team's probably seven and five. So, you know, it's tough because I want to side with Ben Simmons on this. I, you know, again, mental issues tough to deal with we saw that with a lot we've seen that with a lot of athletes coming forward more and more obviously Jim Ursay uh Indiana's hometown hero has been very vocal about breaking the stigma of mental health and all that is Jim Ursay a hometown hero look man he didn't commit a DUI he didn't he didn't didn't commit a DUI in Indiana so I don't care you know Um, (laughs) he hasn't you know blown half his money on guitars and Oxycontin Hey, buddy, he is he has been clean from his drug addictions for the last few years. And addiction's one of those things that he's been fighting with uh, his Break the Stigma campaign. So, actually, I, I, give, I give him a lot of props for that. Fair enough. But going back to the issue at hand is that Ben Simmons isn't even really, in my opinion, the most important player that has been shitting on his team. I want to draw your attention to the Sacramento Kings – and Luke Walton is still the fucking head coach. That just seems like a that that just seems like a relationship held together out of out of pure spite. I mean, first off, Marvin Bagley has played in four games this year. That's pretty incredible. Has played like a whopping like twenty-seven minutes total. And I'm sorry, but you picked Marvin Bagley over fucking Luka Dantich, and you are playing him 27 minutes for literally 11 games. That is pathetic, in my opinion. Uh, he, um, he's only played – he's played one game, and he played 10 minutes. Even worse than I thought. Yeah. I thought he had played the last couple of games in garbage time. Because in Sacramento, it's always garbage time. Here's people, players on the Kings that have played more games than Marvin Bagley. Uh, Damian Jones. Okay. Uh, Jahamis Ramsey. Okay. I don't know who that guy is. Uh, Chemezi Mito. Okay. Alex Len. I know who Thompson. Hey man, don't shit on Alex Len. He had eight points against the Pacers. He was he, he was bodying people. Um, yeah, that, that, that's another bad situation. That we, we will talk about that. Trust me, I have a lot of things 
on my mind about the Pacers season so far. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I will say we got we got some more we got some more breaking news that uh, you may or may not be aware of. Uh, sources reporting, uh, sources being lodged, that uh, goal center Nikola Vucevic tested positive for COVID and is in the protocol. I saw that. I saw that today. Um, first and off, right I got right before their big game against Golden State uh, on Friday, Friday the twelfth. I got to say, first, I want to say, I hope he's fine. You know, if he is unvaccinated, first off, get the fucking vaccine. And second off, I hope you get feeling better. Now, here's the issue with all this. The timing is horrible for the Bulls, um, as it usually is. Cam, you've been a Bulls fan for your entire life, and you've probably witnessed some of their poor timing and bad decision-making over the years. But there's actually a pressing question I want to ask from some Bulls fans I saw on Twitter. And they ask, is it time to retire Kirk Heinrich's number for the Chicago Bulls? Yes. I would argue yes, but there's a lot of uh, modern Bulls fans who probably have no idea who Kirk Heinrich is. Which is a shame. Um, I mean, let's. It, I, he, I, I will bring up. I, I am a very ardent uh, Kirk Heinrich defender. Um, he played a lot of games for the Bulls. He played a lot of games uh, really well for the Bulls. Right. Um, that's the important part. So you could play for the Bulls and just basically be uh, Denzel Valentine. But yeah, um, he is. He's. Third all-time games played, only behind Jordan and Pippen. Okay. He's eighth all-time points scored. Okay. More than Derrick Rose. Which is crazy because he only, like, averaged, like, what, 12 a game? Uh, He's fourth in all-time minutes, third in all-time assists, third in all-time steals. Um. He has exactly one less field goal made for the Bulls than Derrick Rose. He's their all-time leading three-point shooter. Okay. Um, obviously, you know, I, I think he won – he had some accomplishments with the Bulls, too. I mean, he was a – I want to say he won, like, most improved or sixth fan of the year a couple times. He was like, um, second team all-defense all in 2007. Okay. Uh, all, I back all, it. First, all team, all rookie first team, two thousand four. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I I would retire his jersey. Mark, I know you're not a Bulls he fan. Was, he was a bit of an icon for the Bulls, um, kind of like in that post Jordan pre uh, bench mob era. I, I he's probably like their best player before like their best player of that era before uh, Derek Rose showed up. So uh, now I got to ask Mark as a non bulls fan. Yeah. What say you, do you remember the good old days of Kirk Heinrich? Vaguely aware. Um, but with Cam reminding me of those stats and where he ranks all time on bulls list, I'd say, yeah, that probably, you know, seems reasonable. Um, I don't know, though. I'm not a huge fan of retiring jersey numbers. Not a huge fan just because. Really? Oh, man, I love it. I think I think teams should retire one jersey a year, honestly. Then at what point do you have zero jersey numbers left? Hey. Then you start going to three digits. Then you got another 900 years of jersey numbers. Okay, I, I actually would be down for three-digit jersey numbers. That'd be fun. Who would be the first player to rock a three-digit jersey? Carmelo. Uh, yeah. Carmelo Anthony. He'd be 100. Yeah, 107, 100, something like that. 007. I mean, <laughs> that'd be fun. I would, I would love it. And honestly, I think uh, the and one basketball association used to do that back in the day. I would, I would totally buy a Lakers uh, Carmelo Anthony 007 jersey. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I, I'm with you there. Um, that, that'd be an all timer. 
That'd be an all-time Darty jersey. But I do want to talk about the Marvin Bagley thing. Is there a fit for Marvin Bagley on another team? And if so, Ooh, yeah. what, what, what team would take him? Or, I, because well, the thing is, I mean, I, I, think every, I, I think every team in the NBA would take him. Like, I, I think every team in the NBA would take a shot on, you know, a guy like Bagley. It's going to be what Sacramento is going to want for him. Um, it, it, I mean, I will – I mean, he's only he's only I 22. Go, I will go pick up Marvin Bagley in my car and bring him to the he, He's only 22. He's only making 11 million dollars this year. Um, you know, he he, he averaged. Uh, you still hear me? 14 and seven last year. He shot. Um, he shot 50% from the field. Do what? Sorry. Uh, we can edit that out. Um, he, I mean, he, he averaged 14 and seven last year, shot 50% from the field. Why, why hasn't it worked? What, what, what do you think has been the reason? Is because it, Walton? I think it's Sacramento. I think that's a dysfunctional, that that's like a top. I'm going to say that's like a top five dysfunctional American sports franchise, top 10. At, wow. At so, wow. So what are we, what are we comparing to like Mets? Yeah, uh, I, 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 exactly. I, I think that <laughs> the, the Kings are the, are the jets of the, of the NBA. Oof. That's a, that's a spicy take. More so than the Timberwolves, I think. Oh. Okay. So if they're the, I, jet- the King, like the Timberwolves can at least, draft decently everyone's like um the the kings just they have been shooting themselves in the foot on draft picks like ever since the the nick stauskas trade i, I mean they've had who buddy healed and De'Aaron fox uh in the last 10 years which let's, not, let's not lie those, those are good those are decent Picks. Yeah, but like, it's like they're hitting it like twenty percent on their last draft picks. Hey, that's better than the Pacers. <laughs> but let's let's not. Yeah, forget. but the, the Kings have had like top, you know, top seven, top six picks this entire time. Yeah, but let's not let's not forget the Pacers once drafted T.J. Leaf over O.G. Ananobi and John Collins. I mean, if you go back 10 years, so it, so 2010, they drafted Boogie Cousins, number five. Okay. In Great 2011, pick. Bismack Biombo, number seven. Thomas uh, Robinson, number five. Ben McLemore, number seven. Wait, Nick Stauskas, number eight. Who the hell is Thomas? What was his name? Thomas Robinson from Kansas. I don't remember him. He I don't remember at all. A grand total of two seasons, a season and a half, maybe, with the no, he played a grand total of half a season with the Kings before he was traded uh, in the Patrick Patterson deal. <laughs> um, then they draft Ben McLemore. Okay. Nick Stauskas. Which Willie Cauley-Stein at six. Mark okay, but Chris at eight. Some of these guys have actually been okay. Not for the Kings, though. I mean, Cauley-Stein and Cousins were both fine for the Kings. But I understand what you're saying here. I, I'm just – I don't understand I, – I don't understand the mentality of the Kings, man. How the hell do you still have Luke Walton as a coach? You claim to be about winning, and yet you have Luke Walton as your fucking coach. You draft a point guard every year in the draft the last four years. I, other, obviously, other than the Bagley, you know, the Bagley pick. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think there is a, you know, I, I think, um, uh, who is their GM before he got fought, before he got ran out? Your mother. Who was it? It wasn't uh, Stoyakovich, was it? I couldn't tell you. Honestly, couldn't tell you. Oh, no. Vladi Divac had no vision. 
Um, the, the owner, I think, is like if there's a team that's going to move to Seattle, it's going to be Sacramento. It's going to be Sacramento or Minnesota. Or um, New Orleans. Yeah, New Orleans. That's another. That's another we do have a, we, we do have an update it, on uh, Sacramento has it's just there's no vision. I I still remember vividly there was they put out a draft day pit they put out a draft day video the year they drafted Nick Stauskas, um, and the, the owner for the Kings just ran over everybody else in their draft room. I, I remember Bill Simmons made like made fun of that video for like two he, he got two years of content off of that video of them picking Stauskas um they had oh here you go they had a their chief revenue officer em, embezzled over 13 million dollars from them I mean hey that's a smart way to do business they just they got nothing going for them absolutely nothing going for them yeah. Uh, let's move on. We brought up New Orleans and their potential move to Seattle. Mm. And I got to I got to start with one thing. Would they go back to being the Sonics? Uh, they'd have to. You can't I mean, have a team in Seattle. There's Pelicans in Seattle, right? You can't have you can't have a team in Seattle and they're not the Sonics. Like it just wouldn't work. It could be the the Screaming Seagulls. <laughs> Here, here, here's my big thing. You know, uh, I believe the Pelicans are one and ten right now, one and nine. They're, They're one and eleven. They have the worst record in the league, just okay. based off playing uh, one more game than the Rockets. Wow. Also, speaking of not great records, uh, Pacers are minus ten and a half tonight. Oof. <laughs> uh yeah, they are also without uh, Lavert tonight as well. So. That is why. Is uh, is Brogdon still out? Uh, he is questionable with a uh, strip throat or something like that. Ah. Uh, so he, uh, yeah, his, and, you know, strip throat's nothing to mess around with, especially if you're contagious. So, um, but I will say this. Um, if I am Zion Williamson, I have zero interest in playing basketball this year. Yeah, you, you force a force a trade at some point. I I mean I don't know if he can. That's the thing. The NBA. The is, I, I think his his contract's pretty much locked in for a while, isn't he? It's like six years locked in. I mean because yeah. they. I, I think the problem it, it, it almost be like why even risk playing him this year? I mean your team's total fucking dog shit. <laughs> Coaching is like Brandon, Brandon Ingram is uh, is hurt too. You know, yeah, I, but like, that's that, not, it's like this isn't even Ingram's fault. Like this team was bad before Ingram got hurt, yeah. and now Ingram's hurt. So what's the point? You know, and so I I go on and on with how poorly teams are run, and we could spend seven hours talking about it but we do have some actual basketball to talk about there's a couple things i want to hit on first thing is i did not expect the raptors to be the most physical team in the nba it was just not at all what i anticipated with a team that's usually very finesse like scotty barnes is the rookie of the year right now yeah absolutely he's kind of got like that uh he he certainly reminds me. He's like the this year's version of Patrick Williams, except he's scoring the ball. Yes, exactly. Exactly. He's got. He's averaging seventeen a game. He's like a better Patrick Williams. Isn't it like? Isn't he averaging like seventeen and ten a game or close to it? Seventeen and eight and a half. That's pretty damn good for a fourth overall pick. I understand. Like, oh. he had five steals against Brooklyn. People were pissed off with that pick, and I'm telling you, man, no one develops talent like Toronto does. But this is otherworldly how they just somehow like always get it right. It seems, and I'm not, and I'm not shitting on any of the other top three picks. But Cade Cunningham shooting literally seven percent 
from the field. Jalen Green is shooting 22%. It's, yeah, and it's my, my boy Jalen Suggs hasn't really looked all that good in Orlando either. But, but it, and Mobley is a, is second place on rookie of the year voting, in my opinion. Duarte is probably third. But I, I don't think it, at this point, if Scotty Barnes can keep on this trajectory, even if his points drop off a little and his rebounds drop off a little, at like 15 and a half, six and a half, and two steals a game, like he's a lock for rookie of the year. Absolutely. Um, especially if they can keep winning. And obviously Siakam hasn't even been added to the mix yet. They're surprisingly an underdog to uh, the Sixers without Embiid tonight, which means Tobias Harris is going to have to pull his weight for once. I'm just, I'm surprised at how good Toronto has been. Well, Uh, it's like when when you got, you know, obviously they don't really have one dominant score at the moment, but when you have, four guys who can spread that scoring around. You know, Ananobi's averaging close to 20, Van Vliet's at 19, Gary Trent's at 15. Like, that's – that's, I mean, that's like 60 points a game with Scotty Barnes in the fold, a little bit more. Like, that's pretty good. Yeah, so this was uh, – you know, With the defense that they're playing, um, you know, only, <laughs> only allowing 102, 102 a game, which is, you know – top five or so in the in the NBA like that's enough you know they're winning games by a point but you know they're winning games and you know they're six and six and I I think they could they're they should definitely be around all year and that was one of the things I talked about on I was on setting the pace earlier which is a Pacers focused podcast uh shout out to Alex Golden and Michael Focci for having me on earlier it was awesome to chat with them about the Pacers' woes. People forget that T.J. Warren exists, I swear to God. And, like, he's what the Pacers are missing. He is the guy who guards LeBron, who guards OG Ananobi, and does a really good job at it. And if the return date that Shams tweeted out a couple days ago is right, because of how easy the Pacers' schedule is in the latter part of December – and then all the way from March and April, I think it's very possible the Pacers still win 50 games this year. Now, a lot of things have to go right, which means they can't have a bunch of bullshit injuries the rest of the season, which isn't going to happen because it's the Pacers. But Carlisle has always, his first year with a team, has always overachieved. And whether that is you know, the first year taken over for the Pacers, he wins like 60 games. Or his first year in Detroit as an assistant, they jump 18 wins. Or his first year in Dallas, they, you know, they do really well. We also forget that Lloyd Pierce is an assistant coach on this team. And yes, he had his woes in Atlanta, but overall his defensive play play stylings especially as a defensive coach, are phenomenal. I still think there's a lot of hope for the Pacers. Chris Duarte has been awesome. But there's one thing that, if I had to say, like, has really pissed me off this season, it is that Jeremy Lamb is still getting minutes. And I love Jeremy Lamb. Like, he is probably my second favorite Pacer player because I love his, like, overall energy I think he's a prolific scorer if he's given the ball a lot like say Jeremy go get me 20 and he can do it but when you have so many younger guys on your squad who really should be getting run right now you know I look at O'Shea Brissett who is a you know six seven six eight wing um, who hasn't been given a lot of opportunity to play. I look at Gogo Bataze, who has been shunned to the bench because we already have two centers and we don't need him. What, what, what options do the Pacers really have other than, you know, if they're, call it 10 and 20 in a couple of weeks, then breaking it up. Obviously, you can't move off Brogdon. 
but is it impossible that Sabonis is the player that gets moved? No. I mean – I, Because the thing is, I – the reason I say that is because I think he's the player with most trade value. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And that's, that, and that's really what it comes down to. Move, because outside of him, I think really the only person with serious trade value on the Pacers is probably Malcolm Brogdon. If we're what, what about Miles Turner? No, Miles Turner has the highest trade value on the yeah. team by a mile. Like, Sabonis so. So so does not fit in every roster. Miles Turner uh, as a center for every team is unbelievable. Like, I, I want you to imagine right now if – somehow miles turner ended up on the golden state warriors how good that team would be right now they are already 10 and 1 or 11 and 1 and they are insane but imagine a five who spreads the floor and averages three blocks a game or imagine miles turner on the utah jazz where Gobert maybe isn't playing anymore. Like you, you trade Gobert off and Miles Turner is your center. Suddenly you have one through five who can all switch one through five and also shoot the lights out of the ball. Miles Turner is averaging 40% from three this year. I mean, on decent volume, he's averaging like five or six attempts a game. So I think Miles Turner easily is the highest value on the team, but this year he's proven he's taken another step in Carlisle's system. You can't move him. Like, it would be asinine to move a guy who wants to be in Indiana who's averaging 15 points a game to go with eight rebounds and three blocks. Like it, it would be asinine to move Miles Turner. And that's why I think if there was going to be a move because of Sabonis having two all-star appearances, he's averaging 19 a game right now. He would be the guy who gets moved because that's enticing to enough teams that the price is still going to be high but you're also not losing your best defensive player overall. I, I, I know, and I know, Zach, we were talking about a potential uh, Sabonis to the Bulls trade. I don't know if that's necessarily the best fit, but that would, I mean, that would be an enticing fit. And, and I think to your point, like, Sabonis, so obviously, you're right. You can't move Miles Turner unless you fully commit to the rebuild and the price is. You would, you, to me right now, if, if you were to trade Miles Turner, you would have to get like PJ Washington plus Bridges plus two firsts from Charlotte. And like, there's no way in hell Charlotte's agreeing to that. Yeah. And, no, you're going to have to get, you're, you're going to have to get like two starters and two firsts for him. And, and that's the thing. Like, he obviously doesn't have as high of an asking price as Ben Simmons somehow. And I, I feel but, like Sabonis is, is one of those things where, you know, you kind of flip like a need for a need and then you can maybe get like a first round pick, like a protected first round pick out of it. Um, that's why, that's why to me, if you, if you were to move one of the centers, you got to move Sabonis. He doesn't match up, mash up as well with defense and, some may write in his, in this Rick Carlisle system with him. I don't know what it is, but he's not playing the same. Mm -hmm. And it, it's been bothering me the whole year. Um, obviously, still getting his 18, 19 points a game. Still averaging about 10 rebounds. But his assists are down from, like, he was averaging, like, seven assists last year. I think he's only averaging, like, two or three um, this year. And so – Obviously, Carlisle likes to have the ball in his best ball handler's hands. And that is definitely not Sabonis. Yeah. Um, but I also just – something about it just isn't clicking. And Sabonis has – you know, we've already heard rumblings of Sabonis maybe wanting out in the past. I think if there was a move that needed to be made, it would be moving Sabonis. And that is going to bring me to wrap this up full circle going back to Ben Simmons is there a world where you three team trade at Sabonis and you send Jeremy Lamb out and you somehow bring in Ben Simmons because if you could to, if I'm the Pacers I would look into that 100% because 
This is this is the place where Ben Simmons would thrive because he wants to be in a place where he could basically be the guy on a team. And yeah, well, he, how is how is Philly going to play with Tobias Harris and Demontis Sabonis? They wouldn't. That's why I'm saying you'd have to get a third team in there. Yeah, but what but, I'm saying is like that's, that's always going to be the issue. Is they're going to need. It's it's like I was saying. Like I don't. I honestly don't think there is a trade out there in the NBA right now that Philly would agree to. That, that Philly and the and, and the other team would both agree to. Them. All right. I will, I, will, I will give you one that makes sense for all the parties involved, and it would still not get agreed to because Daryl Morey's a jackass. Well, that's the point, and it's like it's one of those things where. I, it's, I mean, we're, we're kind of like barking at the moon here. You know, I, I don't think there's anything. It's like, it's just one of those things. It's like, yeah, it's, it's fun to talk about, but it's like, <laughs> we're just like throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks until, until you really find out what's, you know, what we, you know, anything more about Simmons or, you know, uh, you know, if, if there's any indication, like that thing, I don't think there's really any indication that he plays this year. Here, here's here's my trade idea because we've already heard the Boston and Simmons rumblings. <clears throat> you send Demonis Sabonis to Boston. You send okay. Jer- you send Jeremy Lamb, Marcus Smart, and Peyton Pritchard to Philly, and the Pacers get back Ben Simmons. So Boston looks at it as, so now you get a three-team, like you get a three-way lineup of two really elite wings, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, paired with a playmaking big and Sabonis. Check. I think they like that. Mm-hmm. Plus, they get rid of Marcus Smart. They get rid of Marcus Smart, who's already been causing locker room issues this year. Then, if you're Philly, what do they need? They need playmakers, defenders, and shooters. Off the bench, as a playmaker, I would say Peyton Pritchard is a pretty good option for you, especially if he's your 11th man. Jeremy Lamb is a dynamic shooter if you give him the ball. And then, of course, Marcus Smart fits right into that starting lineup as both a playmaker and amazing wing defender so to me it's a win-win for both teams and then of course the Pacers get a guy under contract for four years or three and a half years when the trade would go down with Miles Turner as well as Malcolm Brogdon under Rick Carlisle and Chris Duarte and Karis LeVert like it would be hard to imagine a team much better than that defensively now I might question the fit overall between Turner and Simmons but I think it would work because Miles is averaging 40 percent even if he drops let's say he's like 36 and a half that's still a good enough clip to where people have to run him off the line and he's been blowing by guys on offense uh by driving to the basket so to me what's his pick and roll game like uh, he is a much better role man and lob threat than he is at like actually setting screens. But he is, uh, I, I would say this, if they, they, they'd make it work. And one of the things I like about Ben Simmons in Indiana, obviously is because he'd kind of fly under the radar. You know, in Indiana, you're in Indianapolis, especially you're not really no like, people are going out looking for celebrities in Indianapolis. It's just not happening. Whereas like in Philly or in, you know, New York or Boston, like these bigger places, like everybody's going out of their way to find you. Smaller media market. The Pacers media would love Ben Simmons if he bought into the team. Now that if, if you're the Pacers, that's your only fear, right? Is that he doesn't buy in. Yeah. And so it's a it's risky because you're trading off a pretty important fan player with Demonis Sabonis. A lot of fans like him, but 
to me, it makes the most sense. And for every party involved, it makes sense for uh, Sacramento. It makes sense for, or not Sacramento, it makes sense for Boston and it makes sense for Philly as well. Yeah, well, and who knows? And, you know, maybe Maury only asked for like two firsts for, from each team. Just no chance that happens. Like, <laughs> no, no chance in hell. Like, the, at any point, if he's like, oh, yeah, we also want a first, the Pacers hang up the phone. Because to me, if I, if, and I mean, I, I think that this is a fair trade. If you just said right now, we'll give you Demonis Sabonis and Jeremy Lamb, I think you're getting better value than they are getting Simmons. Like, I understand Simmons is a much better defender than Sabonis, but as far as playmaking goes and as far as scoring ability goes, Sabonis is one of the best bigs in the NBA. So that that's my thing. That's my mock trade of the week. Um, we need I will a add, jingle for that, for your Ben Simmons mock trade of the week. Yeah, ben, hey, once a week. That'd be, that'd be a fun one. It'd be a nice little three-minute podcast segment. Every week, where I just go on a rant of where the hell Make is it. Ben Simmons? <laughs> I, I'll even I'll even have somebody sing us a tune for it. Um, but that's going to wrap up our NBA talk. I want to touch a little bit on college hoops. Oh, we have to. Uh, Cam, is Gonzaga going to finally run the table? I think so. So what? Forty? Is it four, 41 and 0, 40 and 0? Oh no! I, I, let me hold on, hold on. It'd be thirty. It's like thirty-one and zero or thirty-two. Thirty-nine, I believe. Thirty-nine or forty, um, depending on the just depending on the amount of games played. Um, now, when you say run the table, do I think they're going to get through this season unscathed? The answer to that probably not. I, I think you know they'll they're going to pick up a loss somewhere. It's only. Heck, they may pick up a loss uh, against Texas on uh, on Saturday. You know that that's not a Texas is a top five team. There's a lot of excitement with Chris Beard down there. Um, obviously, you know we need to see that Texas game is going to be important for them to kind of see you know what they got. But then you look at like uh, you know what they did early last season, um, and they came out and beat. Beat up, really controlled the really controlled the game against Kansas last year. They beat up Auburn. Um, they played a game against they, they they played a game against West Virginia. They beat Iowa by a double digits. They really beat the beat the wheels off of uh, off of Virginia. So it's like we know early season Gonzaga is going to come out there and and give it all. Um, I, I think if you look at the roster, like yeah, you know you have. Uh, Drew Timmy coming back. Um, they they had they have the number one recruit in the country and kind of consensus number one pick of ne- next year, uh, Chet Holgram, the seven footer. Who if he puts on twenty five pounds, I mean, it, you know, the, he, he's going to be a, a menace in the NBA. Um, you know, they have some other, you know, really good prospects that came in. You know, I think they were a top two or three, top uh, five recruiting class at the at the minimum. Um, I think if you look around, like, the other top ten, top five, you know, there's going to be there's going to be some questions. Um, you know, I, I really need to see if UCLA is legit. You know, they have a game against Villanova tomorrow evening. Um, Kansas looked really good against Michigan State. Uh, that could be an interesting team, but there is some rumblings that uh, there could be some drama with Kansas with Remy Martin. Um, I really like Michigan. I, I obviously I'm, I'm biased. You know, I, I, I got to see what Purdue's about this year. Um, Duke looked really good against Kentucky. You know, I think that eight points was a little. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, you know, the little that game was a wasn't as close as really the score indicated, but they got 22 from bench from uh, Banchero. They got 25 from uh, Keels like Duke's looking really good here coming into uh, Coach K's last year. I, I think you got to you got to trust Gonzaga until you see otherwise um, and, and really just go from there. 
I would like to add one thing, um, and that is a like a team that I think could surprise a lot of people this year. And that, uh, in my opinion, is the Xavier Musketeers. Now, it's always it's always interesting with Xavier. You never really know who they're going to be in Big East play. There's years where Xavier is like far and away the second best Big East team just behind Villanova. And then there's years where the middle of the pack, seven, eight, nine, ten, like kind of bottom, bottom of the barrel in the Big East. And I have I have a couple of friends who go there and they said, you know, if Xavier wins less than 22 games this year, they, there's going to be some rumblings to get the coach out because they have a lot of talent on that team and they've really underachieved the last several years. And so this is it. This is like a make or break season. And you're talking about underachieving. They had a scare against Niagara on Tuesday. Right. And like, so that that's, that's my thing. You know, they were blowing Niagara out and then they let Niagara get right back in the game at the end. I think Xavier could be a like dark horse, elite eight, final four team if they maximize their potential. And that's always the big issue with college basketball is there's a lot of these teams like Memphis, who I'm not buying into it because I just don't know if they can maximize what they've got. You know, uh, even Cincinnati, I think they have a lot of really good young players on their team. I got to see it before I like start buying into the Cincinnati hype, you know. Uh, and so that's my big thing. I will say this. I, I, I'm with you. I think it's Gonzaga's to lose at this point. They are the most complete team in college basketball as far as top to bottom, skill players, all of that. Uh, but let's not forget, you know, Loyola's good, Illinois is good, Ohio State's going to be fine. Butler and Indiana should, Butler should be good. Indiana, the Hoosiers, of course, kind of revitalized. We'll see what happens there. I, I think, and I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot about uh, Indiana, Purdue, Butler, uh, you know, probably sneak in some Notre Dame talk as well uh you know IU kind of had that same thing you know I, there's a lot of what that you were talking about with Xavier there was a lot of, there's a lot of potential I um I wasn't a fan of the Mike Woodson hire initially um you know I wasn't sure what he was going to bring to a college locker room but it, it really looks like um that the players have bought in uh I, I think it was it was important for them that they kept Trace Jackson Davis uh, who he passed Isaiah Thomas on the all-time leading score list for IU. Um, it, this is going to be an important year for the Hoosiers. I, I think they could, they should be aiming to get in, back into the NCAA tournament this year. Obviously, you know they had, they're going to have some pretty important uh, co contributions for some, from some transfer players. Uh, they finally got Parker Stewart. Onto the floor, which is a which was a big uh, big victory, not just for IU but for Parker Stewart. He hasn't played in a couple of years. Um, they got Miller Cop from Northwestern, who should, in theory, probably be their best three point shooter. Um, they and got, then they got Xavier Johnson from Purdue, who he was their uh, no, second no, leading scorer against uh, against uh, Eastern Michigan. But you know, you kind of had that same thing. They got up big against Eastern Eastern Michigan. You said, wait, did yeah. you say Purdue or Pittsburgh? Because he's Pittsburgh, from Pittsburgh. 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 Yeah. 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 So they, um, you know, they had that exact same issue. They they had it. They built up a pretty early lead. They were up twenty points or so, and then they just let Eastern Michigan get back into it. And then they have another game, another MAC opponent here on Friday against Northern Illinois, who is had a better finish last year than Eastern Michigan. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, Woodson can impart on that and team. That, and I will say this, that's one of the most interesting things when betting college basketball at the beginning of the year is like how many teams backdoor cover the spread. Yeah. That's, like, always, a, that's always a journey. That's always an adventure. In like every, basketball. everybody was furious on Twitter that, uh, Gonzaga didn't cover 48 and a half the other night. And I was like, first off, it's the first game of the year. 
Like, they got to get their, like, jitters out and all that. But also, like, every team backdoor covers in the first two games. Like, it's just how it works. Yeah. It'll unless, be- it, unless it's Ball State, then they don't because, uh, you know, they can only play down to their opponents. So, um, that's going to wrap it up tonight. Um, I want to thank you guys both for joining me, and thank you for listening wherever you may be. And shout out to the Setting the Pace guys again. If you have not listened to them and you want some more insight and how you think the Pacers are doing, um, definitely check those guys out. Um, Cam, where should they follow us on Twitter? Because we're going to start tweeting some things out, not just our content, but also maybe a pick of the day from everybody. Or, yeah, absolutely. Again, follow us on Twitter at the six man pod. That's six underscore man underscore pod. Um, right now it's a lot of uh, me shit posting. Get used to it. Uh, but uh, Hey, we, we did pretty well for ourselves on opening night for college basketball gambling. We're going to start sharing those picks with you. We have some very uh, interesting, interesting uh, opportunities and uh, even, even a sponsor coming along that you guys definitely need to keep an eye out for. Um uh, we want to a couple of them. links on to you. A couple wanna, of them. I forgot. Yes. We, we got two of them. We got to, we got, I got to make sure we throw those in there. Uh, whatever. Um, and then of course, uh, Mark doesn't use Twitter anymore because, uh, Mark has decided to become old. Yeah. I, uh, uh so I got, my new, I got my new phone and I lost my, my, uh, passwords for everything. And I just decided, you know what? Yeah, we're done. <laughs> Mark, just make just make a new password. I, I tag you in things all the time. I know, dude. I honestly, I am so happy I'm off social media. It is not even funny. Uh, I, I I get it. It's an addiction, man. And I'm not it's, shaking this one. And I I am like the past like two or three months of not having it has been some of the most freeing time of my life. <laughs> um, but you can follow me or Cam. Uh, me at Z Barnett NBA Cam at uh, is it Cam Koenig Cameron Koenig, Cam Koenig that's C A M K O E N I G. Uh, Cam talks all things uh, Valparaiso High School football, all <laughs> things Aaron Rodgers being a dog shit human, Packers, Hoosiers, Bulls, you name it. I am on Twitter all the time at school at work doesn't matter. You'll find me on there whether it's uh, replying to people or uh, maybe stirring up some drama by, uh, I don't know, asking people, is it appropriate to stand at a table when uh, you're eating dinner? Uh, things like that. So <laughs> I think that depends uh, on the venue. What's the consensus uh, on that? Uh, the consensus was they're the asshole for standing up during dinner. So uh, that being said, uh, thanks so much for listening. And uh, be on the lookout. We're going to have a website coming up. Uh, you know, with some Ooh. of our social media links, all that. I'm working on it. It's been a work in progress. I got two podcasts I'm running, plus uh, 18 credit hours, plus everything else. So uh, with that, let's wrap it up for the night. Thanks for listening to the Six Man Pod. Thanks, everyone. Till next time. Only the Bulls. Only.